Psalm 150. So we're talking about the power of praise. Praise God. There's power in praise. And, and dancing in the Spirit is um, a type of praise. Because we dance when we're happy, right? And uh, we dance when the wars are over. And uh, the war is over, folks. Well, we're fighting evil. Well, you're fighting a paper tiger because Jesus destroyed it. The devil's under his feet and he's under our feet. And so we're not fighting. You know, some churches say we're fighting sin. Well, why would you want to do that when Jesus killed it? Well, we're fighting the devil. Why would you want to do that? Jesus whipped him. Well, we're fighting evil. You don't even know what you're talking about. Just please back away from the microphone. Get the duct tape out and tape your mouth. People just talk all kinds of stuff. They don't even know what they're saying. But the Bible tells us, never says once, you know, render evil for evil and fight evil. In fact, the opposite. We're supposed to be praising the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. He's done great and mighty things. And he's continuing to do. And he said, call unto me and I will answer you and I'll show you some more goodies. You think you've seen it all? God's got more. You could live to be a thousand years old on this earth and not see all the wonders of God. Amen. You know, Scarlett and I, we praise God for everything. And we'll be sitting out on our little lanai and this, we, when the sun comes up and we see that, we praise the Lord. And when the sun goes down at night and we have a beautiful, looks like painting between the trees and the little pond and there's a painting of all the most beautiful colors blended together of the sunset. And we'll go, look at that beautiful, breathtaking sunset. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? I mean, just, you know, if you'll start, if you'll start looking, if, even at just nature or you got flowers that are popping open or whatever, um, my God, there's always something to praise him for. Thank you, Jesus. I'm all crazy today. Crazy is better than crazy. All right, praise Psalm 150, praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. That's why we call this the sanctuary. It's a place of praise, an escape from the troubles and trials of this world. We come in here a couple of hours a week and uh, and praise the Lord, don't we? Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him. It's like if you don't, if you don't have something to praise him for, read this and I'll give you some ideas. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. I love these words. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Psaltery is a stringed instrument. Praise him with the timbrel, the tambourine. 
and dance. See, when you dance, you're praising the Lord. Woo! Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. (laughs) We got that covered, don't we? We got those covered. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. That's for anybody who doesn't like drums. Sorry. There it is in the Bible. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Everything and everyone that hath breath praise the Lord. That would be all the woodwinds and the whole, all the, all the horns and, you know, Amy Simple McPherson who founded Angelus Temple in Los Angeles and also the Foursquare denomination. She had a whole orchestra at her church. I mean, the whole, I mean, they had every instrument you could name. Of course, it's in California where all the musicians are. But I'm telling you, they had that a whole orchestra pit down front designed into the church. And uh, people that write of that era say that the, you, you felt like you had died and gone to heaven going into one of those services. It was just, can you imagine a full big band plus string plus or, orchestra instruments, you know, the violins and and all those stringed instruments all playing and and uh, they had a pipe organ in there and everything lifting up the roof off that place and a choir and they had more than one choir they had one choir on one side and another choir over here and i mean it was just uh, amazing what they had to just praise the lord and uh Actually, Sister McPherson so loved the pipe organ that she would go in the sanctuary when it was, it seated 5,000. Can you imagine? She built that in 1923 to seat 5,000. The first mega church anybody had ever heard of was a woman with not even have the right to vote. Isn't that something? You know, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to meddle here for a minute. Everybody that sits around and whines about what they can't do because of this restriction and that one, and they don't have this right and that right, that's just a bunch of excuses. I mean, sure, it may make your life a little harder, but I, and, and things need to change. I agree with that. But I'll tell you, while they're changing, you can do great and mighty things in Jesus' name. I don't care what you're, well, I'm too, you're always too something. You know, when I was young, I was too young. You're too young to do that. You can't do that. I was always told I can't what I can't do and how I can't do it and why I can't do it. Well, you can't do that. You don't, you don't, you don't qualify. It's always the disqualifier. You think about it. The people that tell you what you disqualify for, they're doing nothing themselves. They're losers anyway, kind of in their behavior. And then they're trying to turn you into one by telling you what you can't do. Is this helping anybody? You're too, you're too young. You're, you're, now you're too old. So I was first, I was too young. Now, then, then you get a little older and you're told by the time you're 40, you're too old. So I'm too young. Now I'm too old. Now you're, you know, well, you're too thin. You're too fat. You're too, you're too, you know, you're, you're too, you're the wrong color. You're the wrong whatever, you know. I went into Watts and was told I was the wrong color. Can you imagine this? Supposed to be, you know, 
colorblind, but then I go into the ghetto and I'm told you're the wrong color. And I said, I am not the wrong color. I've got Mark 16 that tells me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I went in there and it wasn't long a meeting or two and everybody loved one another and it was all wonderful. So I've been told by white people, you were the wrong color. I've been told by black people, you're the wrong color. I've been told by young people, you're too old. And old people, you're too young. Where does this start and stop? It's insanity. So I tell you what, just do something for God. And if you've got an idea, I, we talked to... uh one of our, uh, one of our kids, you know, we got a kind of a blended family, um, Scarlett and I, and, uh, one of them was talking the other day about an idea that she had to, to own properties and manage properties. And it's, and it seems like a total dream. We said, go for it. I, I, Scarlett was on the phone with her daughter and she said, you go for it. You do it. You know, amen. I tell you, don't let the, naysayers nay you out of your dreams this is not the message but anyway i got off on it anyway (laughs) hallelujah uh but we're going to praise the lord and you know what you can make everything did you know that you can make everything you do a praise to the lord if you can make you know we understand clapping our hands and singing and Praising with our voice and playing the piano and the organ and instruments. We understand that. We understand dancing before the Lord is praised. But you can make cleaning out your closet a praise to the Lord if you'll do it. Amen. You can say, this closet does not bring glory to God and looks like confusion. And I'm going to fix it. And it's going to be a praise to the Lord. I'm going to fix my flower bed. And it's going to be a praise to the Lord. Amen. That everything you have gives glory to God. Our our friend Lucy McKee, she went on to be with Jesus a few years ago. But um, she always had a beautiful home and a beautiful uh, yard and that kind of thing. And they had a church in Montgomery, Alabama, for a few years and had um, it was an uh, it was a building that that had been a. mainstream denominational church, kind of like our building here. But they had a back room, you know, a green room or whatever, and uh, they had some antique furniture and things in that. You know, it was very beautiful. But the lampshade, we walked in. I didn't even see it, but we walked in, and the lampshade had given up the victory. (laughs) Have you ever seen a lampshade that gave up the victory? It's called the silk starts shredding itself and falls apart and is hanging down. You know, you ever seen a lampshade do that? Yeah. And the and so I well, we didn't even notice it, but Lucy noticed it. It's her church and she's got guests. And she walked in and she said, That lampshade does not bring glory to God. <laughs> and did you know that became a mantra at our house? We started saying that. Can I say mantra? Oh my, probably not. <laughs> Don't get the charismatics will start getting out their voodoo dolls and whatever else to in, uh, cross and garlic. But anyway, uh, um, you know, that became a saying at our house, uh, you know, of, uh, 
that lampshade doesn't bring glory to God. So we started getting an eye for things, you know, if something wasn't straight or right. And we'll just say, well, that doesn't really bring glory to God. It needs to be changed. And uh, there's this attitude in with Christians and in church land of, well, it's just the church. It's good enough for the church. That's good enough for the church. What a horrible attitude to have. It's poverty mentality and it's get by mentality. And, you know, if somebody will bring something to the church sometimes that's got a hole in it this big and said, I can't use this at my house. Thought you could. <laughs> and I go, no, no, just take it away because we only want the best here because the property and everything also needs to testify. Let everything that hath breath testify and praise the Lord. Amen. And I mean, you can become extreme on excellence. I get that. But you know, there's a, there's a happy medium on everything. And, uh, you just, just, just something you want to do. Amen. Praise God. And I'll tell you what, if you'll start looking at your life like that, I didn't mean to preach this, but it works. If you'll start making everything you own and have and all a praise to the Lord, it'll be a pleasure to Work in your home and work in your yard and do those things that you, that you've been putting off. Amen. Uh, now we have no excuse to put it off because all we have is time, but, uh, I'm just believing God for energy. <laughs> I ain't what I used to be about 30 years old. <laughs> things have changed, but anyway, we're believing God against that too. But, uh, some of it's just reality, isn't it? Y'all getting anything out of this? I feel like I'm talking to an empty building. I don't know. Why? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> All right. Praise God. Look at Acts. Did you know you can praise God? <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about, though, when I'm, say, when I'm saying these things about just, you know, if you make your yard, front yard, a praise to the Lord, you'll treat it a little nicer. Amen, right? Go out and get those weeds and things. Hallelujah. That's why I'm kind of a fanatic here at the church about the yards and everything. And if uh, something gets neglected, I just about lose it, you know, because I'm like, especially when you're paying to have it done. But, you know, you want to go, man, I, I want this. I want this place to be. And anything's got my name on it. I want it to be a praise to the Lord. Some people say, well, that's just showing off. That's exactly right. You got that exactly right. Thank you for noticing. It is showing off the goodness of God in the land of the living. It's not intended to be snotty or prideful or whatever, right? But it's just to say, look what God does to a life. And God should improve, improve us. Amen. And our life should be a light to others. And I, there's this thing in the church world that's come in in the last 20, 25 years of relating to everybody by dumbing everything down to where the lowest common denominator is and saying, well, that's going to, did you know that, that people don't want that? People want leadership. They want something to aspire to. They want something to be a role model for them. Amen. And those of us that are mature in the Lord, we can do that. We can be that role model. Boy, I didn't mean to get off on that, but that's a good sermon right there by itself. I don't know what you call it. The truth. 
the true is true, isn't it? Amen. Honest to God, I mean, I was in a church one. I shouldn't go here, but I'm going. I was in a church one time listening to the pastor. Big church, like 1,200 people in a really nice town. Uh, it was a full gospel church, you know, denominational church, not Church of God. It was the other one from Springfield. But anyway, uh, we, uh, so I didn't tell you who it was. But anyway, I, I just did tell you. I'm lying. I did tell you who it was. But the pastor gets up, his big church, you know, he's got a really good salary there and, and everything. He gets up to preach and his shoes are coming apart. I mean, he's just, you know, I'm thinking, now who wants to watch that? You know, he, the man could afford a pair of shoes, but he's wearing these run over shoes. And, uh, my dad said that back in the, back in the day, uh, in the, back in the forties and fifties, there was a, Pretty well-known preacher in the Church of God that had a itinerant ministry, you know, an evangelist. And uh, somebody said to the brother, you know, his, you know how your your coat sleeve can the seam can come undone, you know, and this seam was coming apart. And my dad said to him, "Hey, brother." Uh, we need to get you to the tailor or something and get that sewn up. Maybe get you a new suit. And he said, no, 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 don't mess with that. I, I, I need that. He says, I, I, I have that and holes in my bottom of my shoe. It helps my offerings. Well, now see, that's the wrong spirit, folks. That is not, that is poverty being used as a weapon. It's manipulation and uh, making people feel sorry for the dude. When he didn't even need to do that. So, uh, I remember reading about Smith Wigglesworth who said, the day that I wear a hole in my suit, cause I can't afford one, is the day I go back to plumbing. He was a plumber. And that's about right, isn't it? Amen. I tell you, God wants His people to show forth His glory. And every way, amen? And I, I know there's extremes. Don't come to me after the service with the extremes. I get it. But uh, I know there's extremes and, and wacky stuff. But you know what? Uh, we need to always strive to, to let everything that we say and do be a praise unto the Lord. I'm just on that today for some reason. Now, it's easy to praise God. Let's just go here. We'll finish this up. Acts 16. Um uh, and we're going to start reading at uh, at verse 23, but I'm going to tell you what had happened. Um, you know, there was there was a fortune teller woman that they cast the devil out of, and the she had she was like belonged to these businessmen. And it was their business. They were like the pimps, you know, and she's out there turning tricks, not sexually, but with these prophecies and stuff. And so she's soothsaying and she's putting curses on and taking curses off and earning money. And here comes these men of God and they cast the devil out of her and her stuff don't work anymore. Well, now, so it says that when the, when the men 
uh, actually verse 19 says, when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, because <laughs> her gift don't work, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. And we'll, we'll read there. That's okay. It picks up the story. Brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes. That doesn't mean they rented their clothes for, they, they tore them. Rented their clothes. Don't you love that? And co- commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. In other words, they're chained to the wall, right? Like Caribbean prison, you know, chained to the wall. And uh, let's look at their predicament now, just for a minute. Because it's easy to praise the Lord, isn't it, when things are going well? It's easy. Oh, God, you're so good. Oh, my life is so wonderful. Oh, everything's beautiful. It's easy to praise the Lord then. Money in the bank. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's cool. <laughs> you got more than enough. You're giving away stuff. You're just all happy in Jesus. Yippee, yippee. But what happens when serving the Lord causes a problem? And now you're persecuted, and now you're in prison with it. Imagine that. So, like I said, it's easy to praise the Lord, isn't it, when things are going well. But it's a little more challenging to do it when it's tough. The Bible says so many things about that. In everything, give thanks. doesn't say for everything. You wouldn't give thanks for coronavirus, would you? But in coronavirus time, we give thanks. Amen? In, you wouldn't give thanks for cancer, but you could give thanks in cancer. If you had that diagnosis, you could give thanks in it for for what? For God's healing power. For God touching and healing you. Amen? And turning those cells around and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's... it's, uh, You don't thank God for financial downturn, but in the prison of financial downturn, you can give thanks and praise him for his goodness and his excellent work. Praise God. Then the Bible tells us that, uh, that we should rejoice in the Lord always. Always. It's easy to rejoice in the Lord when the choir singing, everybody's going hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, it's easy to go with that. But what about Tuesday night, middle of the night, and you wake up with a headache or a backache or a stomach ache or some other ache, and the, and, the, and then your mind gets to work into what could go wrong in your life, <laughs> what's wrong with you now, and all that, and 
pretty soon, you know, you're just like, Ugh. Well, you can do like the world and just pop more pills and knock yourself out. Or you can get up and rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, I've got so much to be thankful. You know, you start from the beginning. I've got so much to be thankful for. Oh, God, you're such a great God. You created the heavens and the earth. You made all that's in heaven and earth. Praise God. And you gave us Jesus and he died on the cross and, and he was buried and he rose again. And praise God, you know, I've got the, I've got the victory in Christ today. And you know, I've got a home in heaven and, and, uh, and, and you're meeting my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And even if you say, Lord, today it doesn't even look like you're meeting my needs as much as you, as I need them to be met, but I praise you in faith anyway. Thank you that your word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. And you're opening doors of favor for me that I don't even know about. And in the name of Jesus, I'm going to have influence in the community. And God's going to use me. And he's going to bless my business and bless my ministry. And you get to going like that, rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice means re, re rejoice, like rejoy. Joy and rejoy. One guy was preaching and he was talking about rejoicement, but that's not a word in the King's English. Pretty sure. And he kept using it. It was driving me up the wall. So I'm missing the whole point of the message because it's about rejoicing, but he said rejoicement. So I'm leaning over to Shree and I go, I ran over to Shree. He keeps saying rejoicement. She said, I know, shut up, you know. <laughs> People can hear you. Your voice carries, she said. I know, but he's saying the wrong word. But you're missing the point of the message. The point of the message. Hallelujah. Amen. It was that. To rejoice, and I'm 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 over here being school teacher, upset that he's using the wrong word. It's not a word, though. You can't preach that anyway. All right, Acts. Where are we at? Sixteen, and we finished twenty-four. Right. So, how many can see? They don't have a lot to praise the Lord for. In fact, let me just go here. This is fun. In our faith world. We would, and we heard about this, we would say they missed God somehow. Well, they've missed the Lord somehow, or they wouldn't be in the situation they're in. If they'd listen to the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't get in trouble like this. They listen to the Holy Spirit, cast the devil out of a woman, and they're in jail. They're in jail because they obeyed the Holy Spirit. But we faith people figure anything that goes wrong at all, it has to be because somebody missed it. Every funeral of every faith person turns into an autopsy. They're all sitting there. Where do you think they missed it? Well, you know, they were supposed to be an evangelist, but instead they were a pastor. And One lady wrote, put out a magazine and said that God killed her husband because he wouldn't learn Spanish. And, uh, I said, well, if I was him, when I showed up at the pearly gate, I'd say buenos dias, you know, just to try to cover it up a little bit, you know. Enchilada, taco. 
Hacienda something, you know. Uh, KS me, uh, Hacienda, uh, Grande Hacienda. <laughs> Where's my big house? <laughs> oh my gosh. But, you know, we got into that. Every, anything that, you know, I, I, I said, uh, one time, there's only two times the devil will attack you. It's when you're out of the will of God and when you're in the will of God. That's the only two times. Well, he's a liar and a thief and a bum. And he comes around and bums off of you and sponges off of you and tries to destroy you. And you have to keep him in his place. And you're saying, you're seeking whom you may devour. And I'll tell you right now, you may not devour me. You got the wrong house, dude. Move on up the street. Keep it moving. Like a cop on the beat, right? The Irish cop in the streets of New York or somewhere. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. That's what you tell to the devil and the demons and the imps. Keep it moving. Don't stop here. Why don't you go bother the alligators behind the house? Because you're not going to bother us in Jesus' name. You all getting anything out of this today? Well, good. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you, it's all, we, you know, we need to be careful that when somebody's going through something, as believers, we need to encourage them in the Word and in the Lord and not criticize them. Well, look at them. Look what they're going through. They must have missed it. There's sin in their life. One time I told you I was... <laughs> With my wife in Lakeland, Florida, at a big church meeting, and they gave somebody gave an altar call that was just the worst altar call I ever heard, because it starts with you know starts with salvation that's okay, and then it's rededication that gets iffy, and then we go to there's sin in your life. So I said to Cherie, I said, let's go, come on. I started standing up. She says, what are you doing? I'm on, I'm in the preacher section, you know. I said, we're going. They said, there's sin in their life. Everybody here needs to go. In fact, the guy giving the altar call needs to be the first one down there. What a stupid altar call. There's sin in your life? Well, they mean major. You know, I know what they mean. But why don't you, okay, so, you know, six people maybe come down out of 2,000. So then that's a bad-looking altar call. So now we go to, well... There's certain sins. Oh, so now we have the checklist of which sins. Now, who wants to be the guy who walks down the aisle and they just called out pornography or something? You know, you're up, you're up to your eyeballs in pornography. Get down here. Oh yeah, that's the, that's the one you want to walk down on, right? Hi, praise the Lord. Well, you're some kid. That's my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's just crazy. But they do it. Bless God, they get an E for effort. To give all these sin, you know, name the sin, like name that tune. Name that sin, altar call. Well, a few more people come down there. And then finally he said, well, you haven't been sinning, but you've been hanging around people that do. I said, there goes Jesus. And that's when that, that one preacher's wife said to our friend, Cindy Black, 
They said, she said to Cindy, she says, who is that that keeps talking out? And Cindy said, that's David Horton. He's always saying things. And I heard that and I leaned over and I said, somebody needs to say something. So I caused a little stir. So the next night I went to the meeting. They moved me back three rows. And then Brother Hagen called me up to do something. Then I, the next night I got put on the front row. You just never know. Praise the Lord. Your status can go up and down as it's, it's as bad as running for the Democratic nomination. Praise the Lord. One day they hate them and one day they love them. You never know. It's all crazy. All right. So what are we going to do? We're going to finish this sermon in the name of Jesus. Nobody can complain that we don't have enough time. Oh, it says here that they're, in other words, they are absolutely fastened to the inside of the prison. No way of escape. Now, these guys, they could have said, I don't know where we missed it. We obeyed God, and now this happened. Something's not right. I'm telling you, it's just the mantra. I've heard that for 30 years. Well, something's not right, or otherwise it would all work out. Oh, really? What planet are you living on? It works out. It's not always what what we like, but, you know, come on. And it says, at midnight, and at midnight, which is the darkest hour, you could preach a long time about that, the darkest hour, it's the end of the night, this is this is embedded into the night as it can be. Paul and Silas prayed. And, conjunctive word means they did it at the same time, sang praises unto God. And they didn't just sing Kumbaya and a little, it only takes a spark song. They sang out loud and the prisoners heard them. Now, they're, remember, they're in solitary confinement inside the prison. And the other guys are out here, you know, in a bigger area, general population people. And it, they're singing so loud, the prisoners heard them. I don't believe they were singing a little sad song about down here below, we got troubles and trials, and we're down in the dirt. I believe they were singing... Once like a bird in prison I dwelt. Amen. He set me free. I believe they were singing, he set me free. I believe they were singing. I know it hadn't been written yet. Please, with the comments. But some Jewish New Testament church, early church version of he set me free. Amen. He set me free. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad he set me free. He's lifted me up. Amen. Love lifted me. I believe they're singing the goodness of God in the land of the living, talking about how good God is. I believe they were singing about and praising God about how faithful he is and that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And it's like, it's like they threw him in the prison and threw away the key. Praise God, Jesus has the key. 
He's got the master key to every door. That's a good book title. Master key to every door. Sounds like 1958, but it's good anyway. All right. You'll want to see what happened after that. Because I want to ask you, what's your prison? What's your room you're locked up in? You can praise your way out of that thing. Praise your way out of poverty. Praise your way out of sickness. Act like the Bible's so. Brother Hagin used to say, he got the thought, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? He said, I'm going to act like the Bible's so. Well, is that moping around? Uh, like Igor following behind Dr. Frankenstein. What are we going to do now, Master? What are we going to do now? Now, what are we going to do? Sometimes your negative thoughts are like Igor, right? Following Dr. Frankenstein around. What are we going to do? I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to act like the Bible's so. And if the Bible's so, then we have victory. What are we going to do? Now what? Now look, what What about that last letter? What about that last name? What about, what about, what about? How many know what I mean? It just, it, it will eat on you if you let it. And you gotta, you gotta stand up and say, shut up. You gotta get Igor and Eeyore out of the picture. Eeyore is the donkey, you know, from Winnie the Pooh that's always got a dark cloud over his head. And everything's happy except for Eeyore. Uh, uh, everything's bad. Eeyore, the donkey, the flop-eared thing. He's never has the victory. Piglet's happy, but Eeyore's not. I'm telling you. You gotta get Igor, the lab assistant, <laughs> and Eeyore, the donkey, and Debbie Downer. You gotta get rid of all three of them. Amen? And don't let them talk to you. Woo! I've actually had Christians say to me, well, you know, I'm just kind of naturally a pessimist. I'm thinking, you need to get saved. You are not even walking in the right things. You're not listening to the right thing. You're not walking. Well, I'm just kind of naturally a pessimist. And how has that worked out for you? I bet you just have thousands of friends waiting to hear your view on everything. <laughs> Praise God. We don't need to be a natural pessimist. We need to be a natural optimist. We've got Jesus. Glory to God. What happened? Eve, suddenly, you want a suddenly? How many need a suddenly today? Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, 
and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself because <laughs> he thought he's toast anyway. Supposing that the prisoners had been, had been, had fled, had, had left. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for, he's talking about no fear. They're not even running away from the scene. They're like, tell you what we're going to do, we're going to occupy this place for a minute here. Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. He called for a light, sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wow, you talking a turnaround. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed them, washed the stripes, was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them from his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. When it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let these men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, please, therefore, go and go in peace. In other words, don't say anything. <laughs> go in peace means don't say anything. But Paul said unto them, they have, I love Paul, they have beaten us and uh, openly un, un condemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privately? Nay, I love him, nay, verily, verily nay, <laughs> but let them, in other words, very much no, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Oops. And they came and besought them and brought them out and, and um, desired that they depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Now, I wanted you to see all that, ha I wanted to read all that because I wanted you to see all that happened as a result of them praising the Lord. Not only, not only did they, did, 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 not only did the prison door open suddenly, whoo, prison door opened suddenly, but they, the, the very ones who had imprisoned them, received the gospel. They were, they were ministered to physically, being washed and tended to for their wounds. They received medical treatment. They received a banquet, hallelujah, given a nice meal to eat, lodging, <laughs> 
And finally, vindication, public vindication for what had happened to them. Wow. So on the other side of praise, there's victory. On the other side of praise. See, on the other side of that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. On the other side of the valley of the shadow of death, is a table set before you in the presence of your enemies. If you've got people, sometimes it's people. If you've got people in situations that are making you look bad and, you know, they, they say false things about you and all whatever, just rejoice because they're going to have to sit and watch the Lord bless you when the blessing comes. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and praise God. Thank you, Lord.